you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Hey! 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 Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined on this Sunday evening by NBA futures analyst from the Action Network, Brandon Anderson, rocking a beautiful Pelicans sweatshirt on our youtube page which you can check out after the phoenix suns fell to the pelicans 2-2 as my wife says are they the pelicans and so we'll talk get to that and more in this episode joining us also is nba writer and betting analyst joe delara so here's what we're gonna do in this episode we are going to break down what these are the big long we do big ones going into the weekend and big ones going out of the weekend so here's what we learned in the eight games that happened this weekend. We'll breeze through these series and give you our overall takeaways. If you are here because you're like, I want the picks, I want the best bets, go to the end of the podcast. That will have those. We'll talk about series plays as we talk about these series from a bigger perspective about, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Pelicans and seven or whatever else it's going to be. We'll talk about it here. But if you're looking for best bets for the game five slash game fours that are coming up on Monday, uh, make sure to check out the end of this episode. We'll put a timestamp in there. So you guys have got that. As well, let's go ahead and get started. Sunday night, the New Orleans Pelicans at home in a raucous arena at the Blender in New Orleans take out the Phoenix Suns 118 103. Series is tied 2 2. Jonas Valanciunas has a monster game 26 and 15. Brandon Ingram has a monster game. Jose Alvarado hit the GT Alvarado on Chris Paul. Absolute chaos. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. I'm going to talk a lot about how teams fare in these game fives and in these series, but look, no Devin Booker. The Suns have looked real shaky. They took care of business in game three, but then fell apart again in game four. We're, we're, this is real fresh. What do you kind of take away from what you saw in this game and from the two games Friday and Sunday night? I think one of the concerning things is without Booker, the defenses can really just key in on Chris Paul. And obviously he, you know, he can score, but that's not really his thing anymore. Like he, he's never really been like a score first point guard. And then you're looking at DeAndre Ayton, who normally is just, who's been incredible, like over the past couple of games without Booker, but he's usually like a lower usage type of guy. 
So he's taking on this bigger role in the offense, which I think is like atypical. And I think it's creating this like really interesting thing where they're just like not really even shooting three pointers. So you don't have that variance here and you're just not as good of a team anymore. So it's like you're, you used to rely on really elite two point shooting with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. And now you lost one of those big guys and probably your biggest usage guy. So I'm a little concerned for Phoenix here. And the fact that, you know, it's 2-2, all the momentum is with the Pelicans at this point. And I think that that's concerning, especially for an underdog here. This game is weird, Brandon. Raheem was high on the Pelicans, and he kept yelling about the offensive rebounds, the offensive rebounds, the offensive rebounds. Both teams had 20 points on second chance points tonight. So that that wasn't the edge. The Suns actually hit one more three-pointer than the Pelicans. Pels went 6 of 24. The Suns went seven of 27. Uh, the Pelicans shot 47% to the Suns, 50% from the field, 51% from the field. Uh, the Suns did have four more turnovers and gave up four more points in points off of turnovers. Um, really, the differential here was free throws. Like the Pelicans shot 42 free throws in this game, which I'm sure Suns fans will not complain about at all. When you look at this game, Brennan, um, one, are we are you looking at a Pel you like the long shots here? Are you looking at a, a potential Pelican series play? Like how are you how are you gonna approach the series and what did you learn from it? I think where I'm at is I'm still not super worried about the Suns this series. I am officially worried about the Suns after this series. The offense, it's just not enough right now. It is a grind. And it was an offense that was confusing to me all season because they kept posting these very efficient scoring numbers, but they don't do any of the things that I want a modern NBA scoring offense to do. They, they never really did shoot many threes. They never really did draw many free throws. They're, they're taking all these, you know, their, their profile is the Devin Booker profile. It's those mid-range shots. It's just that they're so good at them and they're so efficient that Chris Paul does his thing shooting all the elbow jumpers and Devin Booker does his thing and they make them so much. Those like, well, this really isn't the offense that I would build, but if CP and book are going to take those shots, that's going to work in the playoffs too. Those shots will be there. They're always going to be able to get to that spot and it works. Well, they no longer have Booker to get to those shots. CP, like Joe said, like he can do that late in the game. We saw that in game three, once it was close late, then Chris just took over and, and got to his spots and made his shots. And that was that, but he's not going to be able to do that for 40 minutes a night and for three more games into the next round. I think that the defense honestly is, has been really disappointing too. Yeah. To, to give up all the free throws that they are to get pounded on the glass repeatedly. And just, I don't know. It just, it's tough. It, you know, Mr. Coin flip Raheem is not on this pod. I am ready to say that this series is a coin flip in New Orleans. In game six, I'll call it a coin flip. I just watched two coin flip games and the Pelicans pulled away late in one and the Suns pulled away late in one. I'm willing to give this a coin flip. I would never have expected to get there in this series in New Orleans. But like we're going to come back to on a bunch of these series, you still got game five at home. That's the pivotal one at 2-2. You still got game seven at home with Chris Paul versus this young Pelicans inexperienced team. 
So I still like the, the Suns a lot in the series. I'm not so worried about it yet, but it's, uh, it's, it's getting closer. Some interesting stuff in terms of the lines that have come out since that game. Uh, so look at FanDuel. Uh, Pelicans are plus 205 on the series spread. Suns are minus 250. So if we take out mm-hmm. the implied here, it's 32.8% for the Pels to win the series outright. It's a 32%. It's basically there's a one, the books are saying there's a one in three chance that they're able to win a two out of three games in the best of seven, like two out of three. This that's what this is. It's a three game series. Got to win, got to win two or three. Um, interesting number here. Suns minus one and a half, which would be Suns in six, right? Four, two is plus one sixty, And somehow Suns four, two on the exact score is only plus one forty five. So if you're, if you're betting, Make sure you're getting the good yeah. value on that. Make sure you're getting that extra extra fifteen cents. Um, I'm not going to bet this. Just not. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere near this because I don't want any part of this. Uh, you know, I think sometimes you just have to walk away. Uh, I ran the numbers a lot on a lot of these of like, okay, I'm the futures guy. So w- where are we at on the series prices? I didn't know if we'd have lines up for this one yet. Here's where I had it. I have Suns seventy five percent to win the series, which would be minus three hundred which would mean that there is slight value on the Suns here. Yeah. But it's slight. And it is not a run to your book and get your money in mm-hmm. because like you're you're paying three to win or you know, two and a half to win a one. And a lot can go wrong here. And my numbers are I'm factoring in a heavy game seven home court advantage. But it could go the other way because Chris Paul, the the Chris Paul legacy game like he just finally made the finals and got the monkey off his back. Boy, to be the one seed, the 64 win team and lose to the eight at home as the guy that has to carry the team. We've seen Chris Paul in that spot. It's not a spot where I'm going to feel great about my money. Like I, I will bet on Phoenix in that game if we get there, because that's what the numbers say in a game of seven, Matt, you always say, Game seven is a coin flip. Anything can happen. No, game seven is a crapshoot. Anything can happen. Game seven, the home team wins a huge portion of the time. That, that's that's true. Do, do we have do we have prices up, Matt? For so you had Suns in six. Do you have Suns in seven? Do you have Pelicans in six or seven? Do we have prices yeah. for that yet? Suns in seven is plus one seventy five, and then Pelicans in six is plus five hundred, and then in seven is plus four forty. But like I thought, the thing that was interesting is. FanDuel is basically pricing the Pelicans to win one of the next two games at like minus 200. So like they think it's going to happen here. Like the, the, that's the way that they're listing this. So it's kind of interesting that that's what you're getting here. This one we can go through pretty quick. The Miami Heat took care of business versus the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks had a good first half. The Heat waited and waited and put in a Victor Oladipo lineup. And then they just absolutely blitzed him, ran wild on him. Jimmy Butler took care of business. And now the Heat are up 3-1. I think game four was probably the, the Hawks' chance. They Honestly, they had a chance in game two. They played pretty well in that game. Uh, but Jimmy Butler hit him with 45. And then, you know, this one, again, Jimmy Butler just hits him. I, I just, the Hawks didn't ever learn to defend. They just never learned to defend. And I think as good as John Collins has been, he's been really good in the series. Uh, Trey's been absolutely locked down. Trey can't hunt a matchup. They don't have any matchups for Trey to hunt. So there's nobody for him to pick on. If the Hawks had made it out of the series, it would have been really interesting. If they faced the Sixers for the second year in a row, that would have been really, really compelling. We'll talk about the Sixers in a minute. But uh, to me, Brandon, like, look, as a guy with heat futures, this is what I wanted to see, right? 
up three, one taking care of business, putting the hammer down, no Kyle Lowry, get through this thing. You can rest a little bit. I don't have much. Like, I don't think there's any value. I'm betting this. I don't want to bet the Hawks in game. I definitely don't want to bet the Hawks in game five. I don't want to bet the spread on the heat in game five. The Hawks will probably put up a little bit of a fight. Numbers on that are are not great in terms of teams that are two, two at home. It's basically 53% ATS since 2005. Like there's just not a good edge overall on the home team to cover. They're going to win. They win at an 80% clip, but I, I don't have any sort of interest. Like I am done. I am done with heat Hawks, Brandon. That's where I'm at. I don't have too much on Heat Hawks either. Trey Young, nine points, five assists in this one, way under that point rebound assist line. So keep playing that. He's under that in seven out of eight Heat games on the season. He went over his turnovers again. So the Trey Young fade prop angle is still there. I think you can keep doing that, even though he's going to be firing away. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I was on at, at down 02. I was on Hawks to get this to six at least, and I don't think it's happening. I think this was it in Atlanta. The Hawks can basically play the heat even for like 40 to 44 minutes and then just completely melt down for five minutes, and that's it. I thought Okongwu was going to be more important, and it just no. never really formulated. Like, they just aren't playing defense at all. And, I mean, they're only scoring 104. Their offensive rating is only 104. So it's just it's just not nearly enough in this round and they're just getting totally shut down. I think speaking of favorites th- up three, one coming home. Yeah. The Golden State <laughs> Warriors after letting down the entire action network crew uh, on Sunday uh, night, as all of us were on warriors and then rebet warriors live. I don't regret it. I'll just say it. No I regrets. don't regret it. No, I knew they were going to make a comeback. I should have just bet the spread that that was my only regret was I was like, man, I just should have taken the number to account for like home court variants of, you know, Will Barton hitting a dagger three, Etc. Um, look, credit to the Nuggets, who after a really good performance in game three, could have just rolled over and died. Like they just could have rolled over and been like one, two, three, Cancun. This has been the year from hell. Like the Nuggets have had the year from hell. And so much has gone against them. And the Warriors just cu- kept coming at them. And I was like, surely they're going to break. And they didn't. They got the win. And now they push this back to the bay. I love, I do love the excitement before game fives. As we have kind of gone over, the home team almost always wins these things in game five the home favorites at least, but it is kind of interesting just to think about the what ifs. And we'll talk about this with another series in a minute, but like, okay, what if golden state doesn't win and it's three, two and you're going back to Denver and they've won two in a row and everyone, everyone, everyone is going to be like, Oh, warriors three, one, huh? Oh, you you got three, one lead there. Golden state forgetting the fact that they've had three, one leads before another series and still won since then. But, um, you know, Steph honestly missed Steph missed free throws tonight, which four. I don't think I've four ever free seen. throws for the first time ever in his career. Four. I've never seen that in person because no one's ever seen that in person. Um, and Clay Thompson was great. Jordan Poole kind of came back down to earth. Bones Highland was spectacular. Bench unit won their minutes. The starters are, are still getting their teeth kicked in. But that to me is like if you're looking at, at this game and you're trying to figure out like, well, what do I kind of make of this game? What I would tell you is look at the box score. Because numbers are good, despite what people in Philadelphia say. Numbers are good. Uh, Aaron Gordon's a minus seven. Will Barton's a minus 12. Monte Morris is a minus eight. Nicole Jokic is a minus two. They lost the Jokic minutes, and they still won. How often is that going to happen? And the answer is almost never. The answer is 
just today when today. we all bet on them today. So I mean, they shot like fifty percent from three. The Nuggets fifteen or thirty one on threes, sixty two percent on twos, thirty six free throws. Steph missed four free throws. Uh, the Warriors four of fifteen on threes in the first half. They had fifteen turnovers. Here's the takeaway I have from today: the Warriors are the favorites, and they are the real favorites because. We all, the three of us and everyone else in our Slack sat there this afternoon, believing against everything we saw on in person for you, Matt, on screen for the others of us. Everything we saw was this team doesn't have it today. This team doesn't have it. But we've seen that for the last half a decade with the Warriors and been like, yeah, but they do. We collectively believe this team is going to win the title. That's what my takeaway is. We believe that they believe that they are always in every game. Yeah. That team is back. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, 30 points off turnovers for the Nuggets tonight. <laughs> they had more points off of turnovers than the Nuggets. That almost never happens. Denver almost always bleeds those types of points. Give, give Denver a lot of credit for getting a win, but it's still just one win. We'll talk about how to play game five, but um, Joe, my only other takeaway kind of is, I will, I will, I will say this because the line is creeping up and the golden state warriors are going to take a lot of money. I might, I might be on Denver. I got to think about it. We'll talk about when we get the best bets, but I, I, I do think Denver has found an ability to one of the things that, that gets you really early in a series is the shell shock of playing the warriors where you're playing a team that doesn't just dribble the ball up and then run p- high pick and roll every time, like 80% of these teams, like, you face the, the Mavericks and you know, like, okay, we're going to run pick and roll. And then we got to make the hedge and we'll do the same things over and over again. The Warriors are like, hi, here is a mouse trap. Here is like a complicated saw trap that you have to figure out. And if you make one mistake, you're dead. And if you do it too hard, do it. If you try and execute it too well, you're dead. And if you don't make, if you miss telling your teammate one thing in the middle of a very crowded and very noisy arena, you're dead. Um, all that said, the Nuggets have gotten better at it in games three and four. My problem is you're going to, to gold. I want to say Oracle. You're going to Chase Center now. And that to me is going to lead to a lot of problems with communication and all those types of things. But I do think the Nuggets have kind of gotten more on track with how they wanted to play in these last two games. Yeah, I mean, like Steph, you're really seeing this new depth lineup for the first time, really. Like the Nuggets are really seeing it like in action, in person, like there's not a lot of film on it uh, because Curry was out and then pool wasn't pool like that. He's been this series, like he kind of exploded while Curry was out. So you're seeing this new iteration of this warriors death lineup. That's just designed perfectly to destroy the nuggets. So it's putting out good film for other teams, but uh, I think it's, I think it's really tough for Denver to really adjust to. The Milwaukee Bucks go up 3-1 on the Bulls. Uh, wah, wah, the Bulls, who look so plucky. Uh, Brandon, as soon as I stopped betting the Bucks, they stopped boxing. Just That's what happened. Is I bet the Bucks the first two games, and they decided, oh, no, we'll actually hit shots now. It doesn't matter that we don't have Chris Middleton. We're actually going to hit shots now, in part because your boy Grayson Allen, 10 of 12 from the field, 6 of 7, 27 points. Uh, thanks to Brandon for reminding me about playing the Grayson Allen overs this morning. It definitely hit those. That was a nice hit for me. Yep. Did not get them into the app before the game started, which was really annoying. Uh, Bobby Portis, 6 of 12, 14 and 10. Another double-double for Portis in this game, plus 11. Giannis, you know, light work, 32 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists, a plus 12, uh, 2 blocks. Just, you know, what what Giannis does. Uh, every buck 
except for Serge Ibaka. Uh, I'm sorry, except for Jordan Awara, who played 224, was a positive in this game. DeMar DeRozan goes 8 of 20, 0 of 5 from 3. Zach Levine goes 8 of 18, 2 of 6 from 3. Nikola Vucevic goes 5 of 14, 1 of 6 from 3. That's all, folks. Uh, Brandon, do you have any major takeaways from Bulls Bucks? Yeah. Do we know, like, what charity Grayson Allen likes to support like where where do we send our thank you notes for grace and allen by the way where do we send our thank you notes to the books dude led the the entire game in scoring in game three and they were like "Mm, nah let's just leave the lines the exact same let's put them at one and a half three pointers and eight points i hate it when you taunt them you do understand that representatives from these books do listen to this podcast yeah don't give, give, I'm just give saying, me the lines again. Give me the lines. I'll put all my money right back on it again. Please don't taunt them. them. That's all I'm saying. You can even mention it. Just don't taunt them. We love That's you. Give us the lines again. I dare you. Uh, by the way, here's here's my other take from the game. For this wonderful postseason run that my Chicago Bulls made deep into the playoffs, they gave up Franz Wagner, 2023 first rounder, 2025 first rounder, and don't have a second round pick till 2026. It was fun though. We got our win. You were you were not singing this the other day when it was one one and they had hung <laughs> in this series. Son of a bitch, Joe. Do you have any takeaways from Bucks Bulls? Giannis is a freak. They keep setting his rebound line like not to do this again, but like it's always at like thirteen and a half, and he's just hitting it every game. They yeah, I'm, no I'm really excited to see the differential between if there is any. Maybe the Celtics just shut him down too. But I'm excited to see the differential between how. Giannis does versus the Boston Celtics versus how KD yeah. has done versus the Boston Celtics. Saturday night. Oh, Minnesota Timberwolves back at it. Brandon, I was so worried about my Wolves bets. Was very worried about my Wolves. And look, uh, they got to get one more for my plus one and a half to cash here. I got them on series spread, minus one and a half, plus one and a half, uh, and to win the series outright. They got to get one more for my, at least my plus one and a half to cash, which is my biggest bet. Um, but I was so worried after game three in the collapse. Here's the reality though, Brandon, if they just don't lose their fucking minds at, in the fourth quarter of game three, this is three, one wolves. The matchup is bad for Memphis. I've been saying all year, you have to play half court basketball. You have to be able to play half court basketball, the adjustments. And I'll say this also Taylor Jenkins got too cute. He over he adjusts quickly in game two and he takes he yanks Steven Adams right out of the lineup, removes him in game three. They go down, but they come back. All right, fine. You got the win. Game four, he starts Xavier Tillman too far, too far. Crazy. And they wind up getting hurt by that. Uh, Cat has a monster game, has his playoff moment. Huge game, even though it's like always very much like Cat, please, please settle that. Please stop spazzing. Uh, I think the Wolves are going to win this series. I thought the Wolves are going to win the series before it started. I lost doubt. I doubted after game three with the collapse because I didn't know how they would mentally respond. But as kind of like a, that's a theme of the weekend. These teams that like suffered horrendous game three losses in really tough spots as a dog come back and get a win. What's your takeaway from Wolves Grizzlies? So my takeaway is I have to still be cautious because you know me as a Minnesota fan, as a, self-loathing Minnesota fan, this, the Wolves have to do so many things just to get a win in the postseason. They have to make so many things happen 
and overcome so many of their own mistakes. They hit 50% of their three-pointers in this game. They had 40 free throws. The entire Grizzlies team was in foul trouble from like the first quarter on. I don't know how Carl Anthony Towns stayed out of foul trouble. The way he was playing so emotionally right off the bat, like he, he just, he can't control the emotions. He had a couple of gigantic brain farts lay like, you and Raheem both keep saying this, like, man, this team is, is plays so dumb sometimes. Like, isn't this wild? No, this is not wild. This is who the Timberwolves are. This is who Carl Anthony Towns has been his entire career. It's why this team has been maddening. It's who D'Angelo Russell has been. Anthony Edwards, not even 21 yet. I won't blame him just yet. But, like, the mental mistakes, the discipline thing, this is why I still had a hard time getting there. I don't know. I can't splice for you the opinion I'll have to tell you how much of this is my Minnesota fandom, how much of this is me as a better watching that game. And I texted this to Raheem. We were texting while we watched it. That felt like Minnesota's final win of the season to me. I think that the Grizzlies, they got out of there. They took the loss because the, the Wolves had everything. They, they got every last little thing across the finish line to get one more win and make this one of the most successful seasons in franchise history. But I think we go back. I think the Grizzlies game five at home is going to look a lot like that Grizzlies game two that a lot of us were on the uh, the right side of with the Grizzlies kind of pulling away. And I think that the Grizzlies come back to Minnesota and finish the job. That's what I think. I have no idea why you think this. There's literally no, like other than you just being like, a fatalist about Minnesota sports which your happiness like don't get me wrong like (laughs) we're all aware of like the teams I get it I get I get it um Brandon they have so many edges that's the thing yeah they play dumb you're right it's a lot easier to play dumb than to beat a matchup like it's a lot easier to not play dumb than to beat a matchup let's think about that I guess here's the better way to think of it Brandon this series is in the Wolves control that's how I would put it like the Wolves control destiny here. Don't play dumb. You have all the matchup advantages. You win the series. I think you're probably right. The Grizzlies win game five. They're going to come out like house of fire. This is a great spot for them up against the wall, high energy, all that stuff. And I get that you're saying like, can they really win a game seven on the road in, in Memphis? Well, they won a game one on the road in Memphis. I, I still like the Wolves. I, and I think the concern here is, you know, like you said, they're trying to do something different with John Morant. And like he had 15 assists. Part of the problem is Desmond Bain's home road splits are not great. Like he's so much better on the road than he is at home. Ooh, so if good point. So if you're like relying on Bain to score, which is like fair, like he's been great this season. He's like not been good at home. Like especially in comparison, he averages almost five points less at home than on the road. So, uh, you know, and his big games have just been on the road. So John Morant, like he's only gone over his current points prop line of 26 and a half in two of eight games against the Timberwolves this season. And he's been like not great against Patrick Beverly, really. Uh, Like, I think he just it's just like the nuisance issue for him. But like in the, the style of defense that Minnesota plays. So I think that they like they tried to make an adjustment and it like sure he got assists but they didn't win and like Bane the thing that you the guy that you need to score and like who just had like a career game is going back home where he's not as good 
So, and I love Bain, but I just think that that's a big ask to say like, oh yeah, like you're our second year guy, um, go out and score 30 again, because maybe that'll be enough this time. And Dylan Brooks had a great shooting night. And yep. for me, Dylan is the guy that I don't trust to go out right. and keep hitting all those shots again. So yeah, Wolves, yeah. Uh, Wolves four two is plus six hundred. Wolves four three is plus five fifty at FanDuel. If you want to go Brandon's route, Grizzlies four two is plus one twenty five. So the the books are saying like, yeah, Brandon's right. The books are gonna the Grizzlies are gonna go home, take care of business, and then the Grizzlies will go into Minnesota. I look at the series. I'm just like, wait. So let me get it straight. So Memphis, Minnesota proved that they can go in and win like a normal game in Memphis. And Memphis won one game in Minnesota because of the weirdest fucking fourth quarter that anyone's ever like the next day, the reaction from national media was not, was like, wow, the Grizzlies, but it was also like, what a weird game. The problem that I have with the, with the bet. So I, my numbers on this, I put, I had wolves plus two seventy five uh, to win the series, which is basically right where the number is at. So uh, I don't see a lot of value on either side. The problem is, even you, Matt, even as much as you like the matchup for Minnesota, and I get it, the starters, the matchup, I, I don't disagree with you. The bench minutes are a huge problem and have been a huge problem, and Minnesota doesn't have a solution for that. Jordan McLaughlin was a big part of the solution, and they need more of him. His steadiness was a huge factor in Game 4. But Game 5 in Memphis, at home, all the energy. Yeah. The, the Wolves five starters all played 35 minutes. That's more than any Grizzlies starter played last game because they're all in foul trouble. Yep. So you got the bench advantage. You got the emotions. Now the Grizzlies win game five. Even you said you think that they probably do. Like, so at the very least, you can't bet Minnesota right now because you're going to get the better price, way better price when you have to win twice after oh, that. Oh, good point. Yeah. Wait and bet. But also, like now you just, it does everything you've seen from Minnesota in the play-in and the season in these four games, is that a team that you look at and you're like, yeah, it's fine. They can lose game five. They'll have to win two absolute must win games with everything on the line. I trust them to, to hang in there and get those two wins. Just, there's more than the matchups with this team. And like you're saying, oh, yeah, you just have to just keep it under control and just do it for four quarters. They just don't. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code BUCKETS and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and use promo code BUCKETS when you deposit. Term and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Can I talk about Boston, Brooklyn, Brandon? Can I talk about this for a second? Yeah, let's. I want to hear everything you got to say about no. this one. Okay, here, here's where I'm at. Uh, we talked about on the show on Friday. I was like, was I wrong on on Boston, Brooklyn when I I bet when I bet Brooklyn? And you and Raheem were very kind to me, and we're like, no, like they could have won game one. 
Like they were in it. They had a 17 point lead in game two. This should probably be a one, one series. Like, yeah, there were all these things like we like the better team, but the way that those played out, like it definitely could have been okay. Here's why I was wrong. Uh, there's a couple of things I got, I got massively wrong in the series. One, I didn't think time Lord would play. He came back and now I'm just like, Oh, well that that's dead Two, I thought I, this is how I approached it. I don't know how Ime Adoka is going to be in the playoffs because he's never been a head coach in the playoffs before. Okay. So that's an, unknown, that's a known unknown. Steve Nash has never really been in like a competitive serious series. They were, they totally outmatched the Celtics last year. And then versus the bucks, they had nobody. So basically to me, like Steve Nash was essentially like a rookie head coach. So both of those negate out to basically known unknowns, right? If you would ask me, if we take what we know of both coaches' coaching careers, who do you think will perform better? If I'd asked myself that question, I would have gone, well, it's Ime Odoka. That guy coached under Popovich. Like, he was the one working with Tim Duncan for 10 years. Like, he worked with Brett Brown in Philly. He's been all, like, he's worked on great staffs consistently across the NBA. Steve Nash was like hanging out watching soccer games two years ago. What the fuck was I thinking? Why on earth would I trust Steve Nash in this series? Because he has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. When I have consistently said, I think that Kyrie Irving is, is not the player that he's portrayed as that he's a very nice dribbler and a one-on-one scorer, but he does not make anyone better. Like the Celtics have completely locked them down. I underestimated, I underestimated Al Horford. Why would I do that? And then on top of it, the other one was Drummond was so much better in Philly than what I was expecting because he's been so bad in Detroit and in L.A. Like Drummond was horrible the last couple of years. And in Philly, it was like he got it. He was a role player. He did his job. And I was like, you know, who's actually been pretty good. Andre Drummond. And he gets traded to the Nets. I'm like, okay, they got like a front court presence. Like, this is pretty good. No, Andre's gotten over a lot of the problems that plagued him in terms of mentality. He's still a slow footed, non great rotation non-great defensively center that the Nets have absolutely picked apart into oblivion and beyond Nick Claxton, who's a positive in this series, but has lost the Al Horford minutes. Think about that. Big positive in the series, lost the Al Horford minutes versus Claxton uh, when Claxton faced Horford. Their other options are Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. Again, what the fuck was I thinking? At this point, I am so mad about the game three performance. Not because I bet on the Nets. Fine. I lost that bet. I've been wrong about series before. I'll be wrong again. I'm offended at this marketing experience, branding, culture, exposition, fake ass basketball team that we've had to sit there and look at as a title favorites and wonder if we were the dumb ones for six months. That's what I've been sitting here going like, am I wrong? Like, should the Nets be, am I wrong that the Nets should not be favored to win the title because this team is just kind of sucks. No, we were right the whole time. We told people on this podcast for months not to bet the Nets. And then I turn around and I bet them versus the best team in basketball. I'm a moron, Brandon. Yeah, he's not here. But let me let me just for Raheem Palmer, take a victory lap on Raheem's behalf. Raheem, at the end of our podcast last time, Matt said, you idiots, me and you, Matt, you bashed the Nets all season. Brandon, you said the Suns weren't it all season. And now we got to the playoffs and you both flipped on them. And guess what? They both lost this weekend. And Raheem's probably not here because he's literally out running victory laps. Joe, so my take on Durant is basically, I love the numbers today, and this is in the game guide on action. Uh, He's shooting way worse than you expect. But the problem is, is that his expected field goal percentage is also extremely low. 
uh, versus a team like the Celtics, you need to hunt easier shots because they're cont- going to contest everything. You can't go into a series versus Boston and be like, I'm going to take the toughest shots versus the best defensive team. And that's what yep. KD's done. And that's like how he's really been shut out is like, but here's the thing is like a lot of the reason I took this, this, the nets in this series is I was like, well, there's only so much you can do. KD will just hit those, but he's not, he's just not. Yeah. Do yeah. we see I mean, anything from them in game four? I think the problem is really like the nets, their assist percentage is only 52.6%, which is point. second second lowest out of all of the teams in the playoffs right now. So it's like, Boston's defense is so tight. Like you're not going to get look like they're not going to bite on your ISO moves playing hero ball. It's just, it's not going to happen. So you have to then you have to then that's what the nets are trying to do. They're trying to consistently win in isolation and it's just not happening. And then they don't have a guy that's like really willing to be a facilitator. I mean, like Kyrie, like he can dish out assists, but like, he's not like, that's not what he wants to do. He wants to do art you know, like while he's out on the court. So it's just like, it's not, it's not happening. And I think that that's part of why maybe the, like when they were talking about the Nets as favorites, a lot of the talk was like, Oh, well, like when they get all of these guys back together, it's like, well, hard no lead them. And then it was, well, Ben Simmons can distribute the ball. They don't have a distributor. You don't. And then you don't have, like you said, Durant isn't a guy that really elevates his teammates in the same way. And like, neither is Kyrie Irving. I don't think so. It's like, you have these two players that are trying to just play hero ball against the best defense in the NBA. And it's just, it's not going to happen. So I agree. I think the series is over. Um, and if you want to bet on the Celtics to win the title, they're going to get a nice little rest spot, I think. But uh, you know, the bucks are also going to have a good rest situation as well. So it's not going to be as big of an, as big of an advantage as you would think. Celtics futures. I just want to talk about that for a second. We've called the Suns the favorites all year. They've been the, the best team all year. They have the best record all year. The version of the Celtics that exists right now, the healthy version, Robert Williams is back now. And once Tatum and Brown have made their leap, why isn't that team better than the healthy Suns? They have the better star in Jason Tatum. They are a deeper team. They have the much better defense. Do we need to be taking the Celtics even more seriously? We we just yeah, said. No, I mean, I think, the, I think if you're betting anybody to win the NBA title right now, it's going to be Boston. Like, you're getting a plus number on them, so you're still getting good value. It's going to be in the minus when they get to the, if they get the conference finals. They have the toughest road ahead of them because they have to face the Bucks. That's like that. That to me is 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 it? Like they will face the Bucks will be the best team that they will face, even including I think Golden State if Golden State gets there. So like, yeah, I mean they're yeah. Like the Celtics, if you're betting, if somebody was like, hey, I have $100 and I want to bet on the NBA final, NBA champion, who should I bet on? I'd be like, just bet on the Celtics. They're the best yeah. team. And like any Eastern Conference team, you're not going to just take really to win the East, probably, unless it's like the Sixers, but yeah. like you're going to take them to win the title. Yeah. Yeah. And the, even with the Bucs, I agree. That's why I've been hesitant on them. But we don't know when Chris Middleton comes right. back. But it's very likely that they the Boston gets game one and two at home at least without Middleton, and that puts them in a great spot going forward. Even in a at, tough, series. I was looking at something today. There was a prop that was posted today, and the outcome and basically like what it indicated was that the bookmakers are indicating that they're going to have the Celtics favored in that series. Like they're going to have home court, right? They're going to have home court and no Middleton. Like the Celtics are going to be favored versus the Bucks. They should be favored versus the Bucks. Yeah, yeah they, like, they have to be. Right, they have to be. So like. I don't know what we're talking about here. Like, yeah, like the Celtics are the best team in the league. And like, there's no, like, this is not like a hot take. Like, yeah, like the Celtics are the best team in the league. And if you're betting on any one team to win the title, it should be them. 
I will probably wind up betting the Bucks because I think Middleton will be back and I think they can win. I like the matchup, but I will. I, I'm right now. I'm I'm very seriously just thinking it sucks because I'm so excited about the series. I don't think I'm going to bet it. I really don't think I'm betting second round. I just think it's going to be a great series without yeah. mid. I'm just like if it, if mid was in, I'd be like, yeah, I think there's value on Milwaukee. I'm betting Milwaukee. Without mid, I just can't get there. So I I don't want to bet. I don't want to bet against my instincts. I don't want to bet against my analysis, which is that I like the advantage for the Bucks for a number of reasons. Uh, I also, at this point, never want to bet on the Bucks again after the first game, game of the Chicago series. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, Dallas, Dallas, Utah, Dallas, Utah. Congratulations on the Jazz on a very hard-fought win where they finally passed Rudy Gobert. And Luka Doncic played like a moron down the stretch where he was like, hey, you know what? You know what's been working for us when we were absolutely destroying this team by targeting Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley? They took Mike Conley off. Good adjustment by Clint Snyder. Uh, no, you know what? I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a Slovenian man. And I'm going to target Rudy Gobert. Why? Why would you do this? You, you literally just, just won the last two games by not doing that. Luca's a prideful little sumbitch. Uh Joe? Are the Jazz live here? Please tell me no, because I do not want to no. go Brandon. No, no way. I don't I don't buy them. I, I think that they like Luca, maybe he got this game like out of his system a little bit. Uh, but they they like had the formula, like shoot a lot of threes and you know, just spread the floor and then hunt those matchups. And I think the only concern is like Luca slows things down a lot. So like I think that that actually plays a little bit better for Gobert. But I don't like, I think that I like Dallas before the series started, uh, regardless of Luka. Then we saw them succeed without Luka. And I mean, he still put up like 30 and 10, you know, he only had four assists, but he put up a lot of points. So I, 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 I like the Mavericks here and I think that they, they should win this series. So game five in Dallas, we like all the trends for the, for the game five teams. I think if Dallas, like Dallas has to get, if they get one, I think they win the series. Like yeah. they either lose in six or they win the series, right? Um, that that's kind of where I'm at. I don't see them losing at home game seven. I don't trust the Jazz in that spot. Brandon, ten wins to go for fourteen to one to pay out. How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, not great. Uh, the the Mavs are favored here. The Mavs should be favored by more here. The Jazz are live in that the Jazz absolutely can win the series. All four games have been within eight points, so we're basically just on who made the shots. Like it, these are going to be close games. I think. But even in this game, even with the win, the same problems the Jazz have faced in the series are still there. They're not getting their three-pointers up. They're just not. The Mavs are winning the math game because they're literally taking, I think, 15 more three-pointers per game. And yeah. even if you're missing some of those along the way, that's just, it's a huge advantage to be able to get those. The Jazz shot 42 free throws in this game. That's why they won the game. I mean, the Mavs gave the series away. Like, they could have had a stranglehold on it but they put them on the line 42 times. But the same Utah defense problems are still there. They didn't just magically go away. Utah's offense is not creating. They can't get their threes. Mike Conley, God bless him. Man, we're done, I think. And Donovan Donovan is at his best, unfortunately, offensively, when Gobert is off the court because he gives them more room. But you take Gobert off the court, then there's no defense left, and the Mavs are scoring out well. And they just got into this, like they, they can't do both. And right now they're not doing either a lot of the time. So uh, to me, I would put the Mavs something close to like a two to one series favorite right here. So I think they're minus 136 
I'd put them closer to minus 200 on it. I agree that you want Dallas to win here, but even if they don't, I still feel decent about them. Like Dallas absolutely can go to Utah and get the win. They they just did once and almost twice already. And they, they have the star, they have the best player who's back and certainly seemed perfectly healthy in that game. So, you know, I think Dallas is in pretty good shape here. Mavericks to win in six minus one and a half is plus 310 at FanDuel. I will probably be betting that. I had that one at plus 300. So that's right about at my number. Once again, FanDuel, make sure you get the right line because minus one and a half is plus 310 and Mavs four to two is plus 290. So we love get, you books. We love you. Get, get you the extra 20. Me. Get you the extra 20 cents. Uh, Sixers. Oh boy. Uh, Joe, how worried are you about the Joel Embiid thing? Because I'm getting a little nervous. Pretty concerned. And they should win this series. But like the fact that I even have to say should is concerning. I think Um, the Raptors, you know, if any coach is going to adjust to injuries and adapt to this, it's going to be, it's not Doc Rivers, it's Nick Nurse. So, you know, Fred Van Vliet might be out in game five, but this, the Embiid injury is, I think it's really impacting not only his scoring, it's impacting his rebounding. And I think it's affecting his like ball handling. So like, we already know he doesn't deal with double teams. Great. If you have a bad hand and you're trying to pass the ball and dribble the ball, probably not going to go so well. His turnover prop set at three and a half. He's gone over that in the past three games with like five and six. So I think that that's a hundred percent a play here, especially if the Raptors are going to go to a much longer lineup. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is like minus 29.1 per a hundred possessions this series in 140 minutes. That's just not good. And he's like forced to be off the floor. It's it's like, they're not going to bench him. Like he's their starting point guard. He's an all-star. He's not going to go to the bench, but if he's hurt and can't play that kind of solves a defensive problem that the Raptors are dealing with here. And I think that they have enough with now that Barnes is back with Barnes and Siakam to kind of like man the point, essentially. I think they have enough. Like I, I'm concerned because if the Sixers lose game five at home, you're going back to Toronto for game six. And we all know the narratives around James Harden and Doc Rivers and like three, one leads. It's, it's not great. So I think there's gonna, there's a lot of pressure on the 76ers, especially after all of the, you know, like the slander about, you know, MB should be MVP, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, that's why you got to be available. And like an injury, it's like, it's not really his fault, but those are things that happen. So it's, I, I'm worried if I, I'd be worried if I'm a 76ers fan for sure. Brandon, this seems like the kind of thing where you talk yourself into betting Raptors in seven. So Raptors in seven before last game was he already got the number. He's already got the number, Joe. He's already you knew it. You knew it. <laughs> I know it. I did bet Raptors plus two and a half on the series, which was plus seven fifty. That's basically now a plus seven fifty money line on game game five. So I feel decent about that. I don't know that we're gonna see Fred Van Vliet, and I know that the you know, the, the minus twenty nine is you know it's not great. That seems not great. However, this is their best player. So, you know, they're, they're already, the rotation is short already. So it's not like I want to see more Malachi Flynn in this series. Like there aren't a lot of options on the roster. (laughs) Um, So here, here are the concerns for me from a Philly standpoint. 
in this game, the game that you were supposed to just put them away, and that was that. And what happened was Fred Van Vliet, Toronto's best player, played 15 minutes. That's it. The Raptors shot 24% on threes, so it's not like they got hot there. Philadelphia got out-rebounded with all their size, as much of an advantage as that was. Philadelphia was minus five on the glass. And worst of all, to me, Sixers were 43% on two-pointers. Those numbers scream Joel Embiid is injured and this is not the same anymore. If you can't make your two-pointers and you can't win on the glass and the Raptors aren't hitting threes and aren't having a game from their top player and still pull the win, that is a real concern. So I don't know that it's a real concern. We're going to win three more times real concern. But I got to say, and Matt, you said this too, we're going to see somebody come back from 3-0 at some point. And if you had to make a team to blow a 3-0 lead, wouldn't that team have James Harden and Joel Embiid and be coached by Doc Rivers? If they lose this game on Monday, the level of panic will be <laughs> off the chain. It will be yeah. insane. Yeah. I worry for the city of Philadelphia. And that's with a lot of people that have wished bad things to happen to me on Twitter. I still worry about all those people in that city if they lose this game. Uh, let's do best bets as a good lead in because we've talked about all these games from the Saturday slate. Let's go ahead and get into this. Um, I'll start right here, which is like this is a, a, a nice broad section. Celtics money line to sweep the, the Nets. Sixers on the money line at home in a game five where we talked about how good those teams are. Mavs money line at home again, game five. We talked about this being uh, in a 2-2 series. Home teams are 70-21-0 and 0, straight up as a favorite. That's 77% money line uh, since 2003. So Celtics. Sixers Mavericks money line is plus 327. Uh, we can talk about which of those we don't want to take, which I assume may be the Raptors. Uh, let's start with Celtics Nets here because I I, I want to bring this up because I just looked this up while we were did while uh, Brandon was pontificating on Kevin Durant. I wanted to look at exactly kind of what happens in very certain situations. This was a curious stat that I found. Okay. The Nets are an interesting are an, are an interesting team from a lot of t- ways to kind of cap, right? And I get, like, you've heard me rant about how upset I was at this team and how disgusted I am with them, and I really just want to be done with them. However, uh, all right, so the Nets are, are a, a point and a half favorite. They're still favorites here in game four because they're at home, right? And everything the books have capped puts it there. I looked at teams that are 0-3 going into game four as a home team and are either favorites of less than three points to pick them. Okay. So short favorite at home. It's only happened four times. Yeah. Four times since 2003, those teams straight up in those situations are three and one. That's straight up. The 2013 Memphis Grizzlies who made the Western conference finals versus the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. That team lost uh, the Denver Nuggets versus the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2011. Down to three, got the win at home as a short favorite. They were three point favorites. 
Uh, the Miami Heat in 2010 versus the Boston Celtics. That would be the year uh, before LeBron James joined the team. So the Miami Heat in, in versus the Celtics in 2010, they were a point and a half favorite. They got the win. And the Dallas Mavericks versus the Denver Nuggets in a series where they got absolutely stomped in that series in 09. That's two years after Dirk's run. Uh, this is the year the Nuggets made the conference finals. They went up 3-0, and in game four, Dallas did win 119-117. Uh, they won, but did not cover as a two and a half point favorite. Those are the those are the four teams that fit that that category. If we extrapolate this out to all teams that are favored in an 0-3 series at home, teams are six and four straight up. Uh, so that's that's sixty percent uh, there. So uh, my point kind of here is it's a little bit surprising to me that more of these teams that are 0 and three that the books, if they're like, no, no, they're still favored, somehow have actually won more than they've lost. That said, Brandon, what's your best bet for game four between the Boston Celtics and Brooklyn Nets? I mean, my best bet is I'm just going to take the Kevin Durant turnover free money again. That, yeah. that, that's still there. I don't think I want to side on this one. The team that I would trust the most in a like mojo spot, we're just, we're done with you. We're going to punk you while everyone watches. Well, to be fair, I thought that was the Warriors today. That didn't go very well for me. But the Celtics seem like that team to just be like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to steal your soul because you aren't up for the fight and we're going to bring you the fight. And I just I don't I don't trust Brooklyn to be up for the fight. So I don't know that I'm going to bet heavily on Boston or maybe at all, but I'm definitely not betting on Brooklyn. I don't trust them. Joe, you got best bet for Brooklyn? Uh, I, it's actually not a side, but I, I agree with Brandon. I, I would be taking the Celtics in this game. And I like, I think that they do complete the sweep. I like, uh, Jason Tatum to go over five and a half assists. He's got it in every game. This series, he's got eight, 10 and six mm-hmm. and his potentials lot, like match up. He's averaging like 12.6 potential assists a game. So we're getting the five and a half. It's at minus minus one thirty-five at some books. Um, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't do this. He's really taken on a bigger role. He's playing more minutes and uh, he's a pretty good distributor as well, as well as a scorer. So, and they've got the guys that can actually make the baskets. So I, I like the spot here at the five and a half assists. I had to write the guide for this and I hated it. I hated every second of it. Uh, I lean Celtics here. I just think what, what evidence do I have that Kevin Durant's going to turn around? What evidence do I have that Kyrie Irving's going to lead them? What evidence do I have that even if those guys score, they're going to be able to get stops? I don't. I advocated in that article for them to play LaMarcus Aldridge, for God's sakes. That was the thing I said. I was like, they should give LaMarcus Aldridge a shot. It's bleak in Brooklyn. It is dark. By the way, Ben Simmons going to play? No, just kidding. He's not going to play. Oh, boy. This going to get, get eliminated from the playoffs in consecutive games. <laughs> Uh, let's go Raptors and Sixers. This is a seven point spread. Sixers yeah. are seven point favorites here. The books are like, we're not worried about Joel's hand. It's going to be fine. Uh, Joel's rebounds are 12 and a half, Joe. 12 and a half is a line. I'm going to be on the under on Joel, uh, Joel Embiid rebound unders. All Every Sixers podcast, I listened to three Sixers podcasts today. All of them said he looked tentative on the glass. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the hand's going to bother him. And he's going to go under 12 and a half rebounds. That's going to be my best bet for Sixers Raptors. Yeah, I, I love that angle. And 
to fade him as well. Like I like his turnovers at over three and a half. It's at minus one Oh five. Um, he's hit that in the last three games. He didn't have any in game one, but he's had four, six and five. So I like that. And then I actually, I want to wait. Like, I think I bet on the Raptors at plus seven and a half. I want to wait. And I kind of split my bet in a way. I, I want to wait. If Fred Van Vliet's ruled out, I think this line might jump to like eight, eight and a half just because he's out. But I think that it could set up for a better spot for the Raptors, like we talked about before, um, where his defense has been so detrimental while he's on the floor. I think that they can generate enough offense. And actually, when Barnes and Pascal Siakam have been on the floor together, it's not been a lot, but they've been very effective together. And they're scoring 128.9 points per 100 possessions. So that's without Fred Van Vliet. Um, you know, and when Fred Van Fleet's off the floor, they're allowing just 111.4. So I think that that gives them just enough of an edge there that that's probably too many points to be laying when there's a lot of question marks surrounding Philadelphia in this spot. Brandon, what's your best bet for this game? Something is off on this one. And I don't feel like I have a good read on it. The, The off, I think is just the Sixers. I don't know what's happening with them. I already have my plus 750 ticket basically as a Raptors money line. My instinct is that all the Sixers panic is real and matters, but also that Fred Van Vliet is hurt and maybe that is the thing that offsets it and the Sixers pull through here. So that's why I kind of want to stay away from it. I like the Embiid under angle. Joe, you've been Mr. Scotty Barnes all year. If Fred Van Vliet is out, are we doing all the Scotty escalators, Scotty triple doubles, Scotty everything? Probably going to play a Scotty double double. Um, cause that way I can get him on either rebounds or assists, but he's been like a little inconsistent with the assists lately, even without, uh, when like Fred Van Vliet's been out and Siakam's really the pivot. Um, definitely going to play a triple double for Siakam. If Fred Van Vliet's out, I think it's, that's a hundred percent in play. 15 to one for Siakam triple double tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. And Scotty did, Scotty had 15, 10 and eight. I think you would be better off playing rebounds and assists. I'm not sure what that line is right now, but yeah, that way, you know, you can kind of split the baby there a little bit and get both. You know what, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? Because it's me, because I like my long shots. Oh, I'm going to figure it out. I have to f- find where the line is. I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be horrendously long. Give me a Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, double, triple, double. Give me some odds on that. Let's that's, have a little fun. Let's go. Nuts. That's a bet three, six, five special. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen. We're not getting double 10 assist games from these guys, but you never know. Yeah, they might have 10 as a team. <laughs> yeah, they might <laughs> hurt my soul sometimes. Um, <laughs> final game of the night Utah Jazz at Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks are a three point favorite. Um, I will say, like, this is Mavs are minus 149 at Bet Rivers. Um, I'm sorry, that's a win bet. Minus 149. I, I think minus 150. I'm willing to pay the money line. Like, might be a close game. Give yourself some insurance. I'll probably play the three. This is one I do like Dallas. I just, I don't trust Utah. They got everything to go their way in that game. They had Maxi Kleba fouls out. Spencer Dimwitty plays terrible. Luca makes terrible decisions. Despite a 30 and 10 game, all of this stuff happens. Donovan finally passes to Rudy and they win by one point. So now the, the Nets also won by one point and we saw how that went. So in or Nets also lost by one point in game one. But uh, I like Dallas here at home if I'm only having to lay the three, Brandon. So I wrote the preview on this one and I 
couldn't talk myself into a side. I, I think that the line is about right here. Something about what we saw with Luca back, it just, it feels like, and it obviously is, the identity of this Dallas team is different, and I don't feel like I have a great sense of it yet. Coming into that game without Luca, I was really confident in Dallas on the series because we saw that the the small Mavs, Jalen Brunson, Dinwiddie drive kick thing, we saw it. We saw the formula. It was working. The solution was there. It was done. The Jazz had no answer to it. Now it's different. Now it's Luka. It's a different Luka offense. The bench got mixed up a little bit. Dinwiddie and the whole bench were, were not good last game. I think that the, the stuff should still be there. The advantages are still waiting to be feasted on, but we didn't really see Luka feast on them last game. So it makes me a little hesitant. The angle I have here is this. The one thing I know for sure about Luka being back is this thing slowed to a snail's crawl last game. Like the pace was way down. It was under 90 last game. I'm going under, under 213. Uh, this year, the last game was 199. We had, I think, a 192 in game one. We had a 214, which is almost under this number. Uh, I wrote the guide and picked the under here. And after it, our totals wizard, Austin Wang, also took the under. So I know that I'm right now. So I like the under. Utah is not able to score. We know that has been consistent. And I don't really know if I trust Dallas scoring. I think it's close. I don't want a Dallas money line. I don't want to pay for Dallas to cover. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I picked Dallas to win, but I'm just going to play the under and kind of see how the shots fall. All right, it's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with the usual workshop for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday before the big picture on Friday. Hope you guys are all enjoying the games. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Follow NBA Bet on Twitter. We're doing Twitter spaces this week. Great conversations on how to bet these games. Hit us on Twitter if you got any questions. I'm at HB Basketball. Find Brandon on Twitter at Wheaton Brando, at Joe Delera. Yes, Joe? That's, yep, that's it. I, that's <laughs> at Joe Delera. D-E-L-L-E-R-A. Yes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> we nailed it. Nailed it. I nailed it. All right. Thanks for ever joining us, everybody. Uh, let's get buckets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.